HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. I've been looking forward to this conversation with John Rood. He is the founder and CEO of Perceptual. Perceptual provides compliance solutions for emerging regulations of automated decision-making systems in HR and people operations. Perceptual is currently working with clients on compliance with New York's AI bias laws. Previously, John was founder of Next Step Test Preparation, which became the second largest provider of pre-health and pre-medical test preps. John lives in Chicago and is a graduate of Michigan State University and the University of Chicago. This is a hot topic, obviously, in the HR world, and um, I, I just am really excited to talk with him um, because with less candidates, more companies than ever using applicant tracking systems, um, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about with DEI being ever more important. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm very excited to, to welcome John. John, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you. Hi, Leanne. It's my pleasure to be here. Good morning. Good morning. So why don't we um, why don't we jump right in? Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur based in Chicago. Um, and I'm running right now a company called Perceptual, and we're going to talk, uh, I think, at length about what we do there. Um, we provide compliance solutions for companies of all sizes that are looking to get compliant with emerging regulation around automated hiring systems, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. Um, previous to that, I'd been in the education industry for 10 years where I built a company in um, test prep and pre-health and pre-medical. Um, and before that, I would have been in management consulting and and that's been my path. Awesome. So, um perceptual how first how did you come up with this name oh my gosh so i've been an entrepreneur for a long time and i've tried my very best to learn what i'm good at and what i'm not good at and two things that i'm bad at are naming companies and <laughs> picking logos so to be honest with you i went on a really cool site that just has company names and has the urls available uh, I saw Perceptual. It looked cool. It turns out it means kind of a, a funky uh, little used math term. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, kind of like techie kind of AI. So I, I snapped it up. Um, luckily, I, I then got the sense to hire a good marketing person. So we got a new logo and everything, but uh, but kept the name, which I like. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how you came up with the idea to start this particular, you know, business and and why? Yeah, sure. Uh, so 
I, um, after I had um, kind of gotten out of our last business, which we sold, I started to get really interested in artificial intelligence. And this was, you know, a year or two ago, and I just kind of starting to get to get really big and in, in, I guess, kind of like the mainstream uh, of our of our consciousness and our media as a society. Um, and I started looking more and more into um, into kind of the world of what some people call AI safety or AI responsibility. Basically, the idea that with these new tools, we have to figure out ways to make this emerging technology work for us as you know, basically as as humans, um, as as opposed to potentially against us. Um, and so I started reading about that quite a bit, and then saw you know there really hadn't been even as early as last year. Um, any government regulation of artificial intelligence or machine learning, but I saw that that was about to change. And one of the places where I saw it was um, most susceptible or most needing really of regulation was in human resources and people operations. Um, when we think about artificial intelligence, safety and responsibility, we think about, um, first of all, what are the contexts where it really matters? Um, so, you know, if you had an artificial intelligence on, you know, in, in your in your shopping algorithm, and it said you like red shoes, but in fact you like green shoes, like who cares? That's not that's not a big deal. Um, but if someone does or doesn't get a job um, for, uh, for you know for 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 the wrong reason, that's a huge deal, right? And that we as a society. Um, you know, obviously, you know, our, our government are trying to protect people um, and make sure that companies do the right thing and that there's fairness in our in our employment market. So I started to focus in there and then started to see some of the regulations um, that are in effect. Um, the first one being in New York, and I know we'll talk about that probably at length. Um, there's be more regulations. Again, again, we'll talk about this in several other states, and then we expect there'll be um, some federal regulation in the next year, maybe 18 months. So I saw that, you know, this was... Uh, a place where there is going to be a big need in the market. And, you know, given my my experience running small to then medium-sized businesses, I knew that, you know, everyone's working hard already. And when you're at, you know, a, a business with 100 or 200 employees, there's no compliance department. There's no general counsel usually. And so when the HR leader gets a new compliance regulation just plopped on, on her desk, um, it's a it's a big issue, right? So I put our company together to try to figure out, you know, how can we use um, both technology and smart people, um, put together a, a suite of products that would help companies get compliant with these new laws as efficiently as possible. That's awesome. And, you know, as soon as you say, like, AI, we've all seen the movies of, you know, artificial intelligence taking over the world right yeah. i mean terminator yeah. terminator <laughs> right. and you know the newer ones yeah. coming out you know even kid versions of of these movies coming out where you know our art artificial intelligence is is taking over the world and and it's it's true that um it's it's a scary thing in in the sense that we create these systems and then how and who is making sure that these systems are being fair to us humans, right? How do we know that the information that we're putting in is being accurately governed? I mean, we, yeah. I'm assuming that we, you know, there's a bunch of little buttons that are being clicked of, hey, make sure that you check this, make sure that you check. But really, at the end of the day, how do we truly know? And then with the changing laws on a continuous, you know, continuing basis, Who's going into these systems and saying, oh, wait, I got to uncheck this box or recheck this box? Or does this box even exist? 
right? Right. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and we can, you know, there's there's kind of a set of discussions around um, automated systems generally, and then there's kind of a set in in specifically to you know HR and people leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, in my in my mind, I think what you said is is, is exactly right. Um, there has to be ways for us as a society, and then specifically, you know, us as HR and business leaders to think through when we ask an automated system to do something, we have to make sure first of all that the inputs that are going into that system are the right inputs, um, and then we have to know what's going on in that system. So to break that down a little bit. Um, if we have, you know, let's say we have a, we have company X and, you know, company X has, um, historically only hired, uh, you know, hired disproportionate numbers of men or disproportionate numbers of a certain ethnic group. If we put that data into a machine, um, the machine doesn't know, uh, it, it, it doesn't like have a preconceived notion of what that data means, but it will spit, but the results it spits out, um, have a high risk of replicating that bias that went in. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a great example of this, this happened, this has famously happened at Amazon um, several years ago, where basically they fed, um, they fed an algorithm, all the resumes of successful software engineers. And, and you know, this is, their, their logic makes sense. And basically they said, let's see who's successful at Amazon. We'll put their background into a machine and then it can spit out um, the, the people that, are, that are, are applying for those positions that we think will be most successful. Um, what they didn't realize was that disproportionately at that time, and maybe still now, I don't know, but, but at that time, um, Amazon hired lots, lots more men in software engineering roles. So the algorithm sees that. Um, even in a, and one of the big challenges around this issue is even if you scrape that information, right? So even if you put these resumes in and don't tell people what what gender people are, mm-hmm. um, the the machines can figure it out, right? So they figure it out with things that are like highly correlated with gender, can be highly correlated with race. Um, and so the, the results that it spits out and the recommendations that it makes tends to replicate those biases. And those are, that's like one, one very big, probably the biggest sort of example in the screening process for, um, for people operations of, of some of the dangers that we're trying to, uh, to solve for. Interesting. So, be- wow, because it's so highly intelligent, it's able to actually predict the, possibly the race and the gender of the individual based on the data that you're entering and therefore the system becomes biased without us even knowing because we are humans putting the information into the system. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, the system itself, um, think about think about the example of, of race. Um, even if we strip um, racial or ethnic signifiers out of the data that we put in, which most companies would, right? That's not Right. No one's trying to create biased results, right? So we don't put that data in. Right. Um, if the machine takes um, things like zip code, which are highly correlated with mm-hmm. race, or um, surnames, which are highly correlated with race, um, and says, well, from, from now on, you know, we've had more success hiring people from this set of zip codes, and it outputs that, and then it turns out that that's, you know, uh, you know, a, fa- a fancy schmancy neighborhood with, um, you know, only wealthy people in it. Um, that's a really bad result, right? So those are the kinds of things that we're that we're we're trying to solve. Um, you know, and importantly, again, it's not that the people creating these algorithms are doing that on purpose. It, it's just that's that can happen, and those are the things that we have to be aware of. And you know, and importantly, our our government, both at the federal and the state level, um, is starting to look into that in in a lot of detail. Interesting. Oh my gosh, that um, wow. So where do you even begin? I mean, how do you even 
Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, <laughs> so I thought about that problem a lot, obviously. Um, and here's what here's here's my thought process. We kind of created what what our what our company is trying to do. So um, I've been around HR and people operations for a long time, um, both in you know running those operations at mid-sized companies. Um, I'm on the board of a company here in Chicago that does corporate training. So I've, I've, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of stuff. And what I see is um, everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, almost everyone wants to do the right thing, right? Almost everyone um, in the HR world wants to hire the right person, uh, meet the, meet our, our diversity and inclusion goals um, and just need help doing it. Um, so the way that I think about it is first of all, we take that as a as a as a given, and also, secondly, we want to figure out how to do it at scale and how to do it in a standardized way. So, you know, I think it's possible. I could have said, you know, let's think about like a really grandiose plan um, to make everything perfect, and I'm going to go around to companies and be like, hey, you should just do this. It's the right thing to do. Um, and certainly, we would get some uptake on this, but people are busy, right? And so, it's hard to go and say like, here's the thing that you don't have to do. It's going to be expensive, uh, but let's do it. Um, so the way I thought about it instead is the government is doing a lot of work on this, right? And again, at both the state, the federal, and the federal levels. Um, so what what we're doing is basically going regulation by regulation um, and creating the right solutions to help companies comply with those. So our first regulation is coming up in New York City. Technically, it's in effect today, um, but they've decided not to enforce this new law until April 15th. Um, we'll have a second law in Colorado, um, which is more related to data privacy, but we're but it kind of covers some of these same issues in employment. Um, that's going to go into effect during the summer. Um, then we expect that we'll have regulations in California, uh, probably this year, most likely in Washington D.C. this year. Um, and then the you know the big kahuna of this is the Federal Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, which you know everyone in in, in HR is very concerned with them and what they're doing has identified um, the issue of bias in automated hiring tools as one of their top three priorities um, for the upcoming year. Um, and we just, on Tuesday, we're recording this on, on a Thursday, so two days, two days ago, um, EEOC held a full day of public testimony and uh, discussions around this issue. So um, to get a very long answer to your really good question, like how do we, how do we start doing this? Well, um, the government is, is, is going to basically do it for companies, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I'm trying to put together is those solutions to make that streamlined, um, to make sure that, you know, HR leaders that are already working 60 hours a week, don't have to wade through, you know, 35 pages of, of, of guidance on this stuff. We're going to put that all together for them. So in layman's terms, basically any company that is using, and, and right now you mentioned New York and Colorado, mm -hmm. any companies in those states that are using an applicant tracking system, so as an example, ISOMS or Taleo, um, mm -hmm. you know, two of the, the ones that come to my mind, um, are going to start as of April 15th, you said it's going to be enforced in both of those states or just New York? Just in New York City. Okay, just in New York City are going to start being audited to make sure that they are following a new regulation that is coming out by the EEOC, making sure that they are following certain guidelines around how that information comes in and make sure that it is more not taking certain things into account, such as race or gender or and and more um, equal to all applicants who are coming in, because as of right now, the EEOC is 
is concerned that those systems could be biased in some way. Yeah, let me let me break that down a little bit. Um, and I think that one of the one of the most challenging things about this this year and in this market is that every state is going to do it a little bit differently until we do have federal guidance. Um, so let's start with let's start with this New York regulation. Um, so this is for for those of you who want to look it up at home. This is um, it's called Local Law 144 of 2021. It's a New York City ordinance, so it's not even New York State. It's New York City, um, mm-hmm. but obviously that's a, a very large market. Mm-hmm. It covers every company um, of any size, which I was surprised about when I first heard about it. That uses what they call, uh, or sorry, that so any company of any size that hires people in New York City, right? So it doesn't ha- doesn't necessarily have to be based in New York City. In theory, if you're uh, you know a California company and you have uh, you know a thousand employees and you have one in New York, in theory this this pertains to you. Um, although there'll be an enforcement question down the road. Um, but here's what the here's what the law entails. So companies that use what the law calls automated employment decision tools um, have to get and have to do a couple of things. But let's break down first what that what those automated tools mean. Um, the law defines it as Uh, in in a couple of ways. So the first way is when there is a machine or algorithm that's making part of the decisions, the employment funnel, Mm -hmm. um, that's a system that that will require compliance. So for example, um, and the biggest example by far is going to be resume, resume screening. Mm -hmm. Um, If you, you know, you post a job, you get 500 applicants, uh, your ATS or the job board or, you know, whatever, whatever software it is, is going to just show the hiring manager, the top 50 or the top 100, right? So clearly lots of those resumes are being screened out. Um, sometimes we know why, sometimes we don't know why. Um, and, but that's a place where, you know, if the computer is making that decision, as opposed to the person, um, that tool ha- is, is going to be under the law. Uh, we'll also see use cases, um, which will be covered under the law in the assessment world. So anytime you um, are giving candidates a score or anytime that you are, um, that you are using an assessment to rank order candidates, that's going to fall under the law as well. Um, there's exceptions there. There's always some nuance, but, you know, for example, if we give someone, you know, Myers-Briggs, there's no reason to think that ENTJ is better than I, you know, INTJ or whatever, um, but if you are using that and then saying, hey, we're only going to take the E's and not the I's, um, mm-hmm. then there's a compliance issue. Right. Uh, so if a, if, a, if a company is using those tools, the law requires a couple things. The first and d- by far the most, most challenging is there has to be an independent third-party audit of the results of those systems. So interestingly, we're not auditing in this situation for this law. The inputs are what's happening in, you know, kind of in the black box of the computer. We're just looking at the outputs for this law. So we're generating a report that basically says, you know, let's say we, we did a hiring screen and um, we're going to break down how many applicants were successful in that process by men and women, and then by um, the five uh, racial or ethnic categories that are defined by the EEOC separately. Um, and we have to say, you know, if you, uh, if you advanced 80% of your Asian women through this hiring process, but you only advanced, you know, 20% of your, um, of, of, you know, of your Latino men, for example, uh, that's a problem, right? So those, that's the information that we have to output. Companies have to put it on their website. Companies have to do some notification requirements that the systems are in use. Um, and then companies will would be in compliance with that law. Um, and again, like you mentioned, Colorado, California, those will be different. Um, those will be very different. 
Right. So, okay. So a lot there. So, and, and the law is stating that you have to have a third party do this. So there's no way around of, of hiring somebody, you know, to come in and be a compliance manager for this. It has to be a third party. So there is, there, there's no way around actually hiring somebody to come in and do this for you, which means that it, I mean, this is something that companies are now going to have to budget for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's two ways there's uh, that, that the independence of the auditor is defined in the law. First of all, the vendor itself cannot simply conduct an audit on its own systems and then give it to its customers. Um, it's very clear that, first of all, that's not independent. Um, and secondly, that the, um, the compliance responsibility falls on the employer and not the vendor in this law. Um, secondly, exactly like you said, it's clear that the auditor can't be an employee, can't be an investor, can't be a board member, et cetera, et cetera, of mm -hmm. the company itself. Um, so that's kind of why we put what we're doing together. Um, we're, that's, what, that's what we do. That's what we're going to do for companies because um, mm -hmm. by law, they can't do it themselves. Interesting. Wow. Um, if, and it makes sense. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I sit here and I go, oh, my gosh, but it, it completely makes sense. And, and the fact that we are going and, and uh, first of all, you know, I talk to a lot of people about the whole, you know, applying to an automated system. And you mentioned 500 applicants. Any company would be like, yeah, I got 500 applicants to apply. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of if you talk to the people who are applying right to these positions, right. one People hate applying through applicant tracking system uh, systems. Right. You, I mean, you're applying to a black hole. You you apply, you never hear back. Um, you have no idea. A, a lot of companies. I mean, these systems are set up to be able to do an auto reply. Thank you for applying to our position. And then when the position is closed, it's it's designed to be able to say, hey, this position's been, you know, filled. Again, thank you for your interest. You know, we'll let you know if there's another opportunity that could fit your skills. And companies are not utilizing that to do all of that. There are plenty of employees out there that have applied to these positions. They never hear a single word on whether or not their application was even, you know, accepted and when the position was closed. And and you hear this time and time again, the applicant, you know, the employee or the person applying, that experience has been lost completely. And it's a frustrating, annoying, you know, position to be in when you spend hours of your day. I mean, it's a full-time job looking for a job, mm -hmm. 100%. So it, it needs to change in so many different ways on, on how these systems work. Um, in, in my opinion, there are a lot of companies out there that I, I, I feel that they're, it's, it's pure laziness because you, you can set these systems up to be very robust and very awesome tools. Um, and, and the fact that they're not even utilizing them to their full potential, um, you know, speaks volumes to the fact that they're, they've lost their customer service when it comes to bringing employees in. So if they're not even using it to their full potential in that sense, what else is there missing? So I, I truly believe that there needs to be an audit system. However, on the flip side of that, as, an, as a company, who's all of a sudden staring down the barrel of yet another expense that the government is going to impose on them. That is a, you know, a major frustration. Do you, you know, with all that being said, do you think that there's going to be companies out there that decide to eliminate these applicant tracking systems, or I shouldn't say eliminate, but to kind of go back to a little bit of the old school way and say, Hey, just, 
email your resume to me. Um, especially yeah. because we're in a time when there are there aren't 500 applicants applying. In some cases, companies only have, depending on the role, 10 applicants applying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely possible. And, you know, I've certainly talked to a number of especially smaller businesses, and this is how our business runs. I mean, we're we're a very small business too, where we don't we don't use these tools, right? We we know people on our network. Um, you know, we'll we'll put up a job, but then I'll manually look at look at every single resume. Um, so a lot of companies don't use these tools. Um the I have seen estimates. Our our own data is is highly skewed because people don't come talk to us if they're not using these systems. Mm -hmm. um, but I have seen data that something like forty to fifty percent of companies are using these automated tools. Um, that's going to skew towards mid-sized to large companies rather than small business for sure. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that especially, you know, especially sometimes we'll see in uh, an applicant tracking system that there are, um, and you, you mentioned this yourself, like there's there's some automation modules and there's some modules that, that don't use automation, right? So I think that definitely one thing that some businesses that just don't want to deal with this, this will do is turn off um, the automated parts of um, of their of whatever system this is mm -hmm. and just kind of go without it until the regulatory environment is a little bit less um, uncertain and frothy. Um, yeah, I, I think that 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 could well be the case. Um, the other side of it is, uh, first of all, you know, the the cost of what we're doing. I'm happy to talk about that. Is it, you know, it, no one wants no one wants to get a new expense on their in their, in their budget, which they haven't you know haven't planned for, don't have authorization for. Like that that stinks for everyone. Um, that said, the cost of you know making the wrong hire is an, an order of magnitude worse always. Right. Um, so I think that companies that are, are that are beneficially using these tools will probably just go through the compliance process. Um, and the other side of it, which we haven't talked as much about, is you know fundamentally, if we are helping companies understand whether the tools that they're using are, are producing fair or unfair outcomes, that's not only a compliance issue. That's a that's a kind of a DEI issue right. uh, as well. So I think that companies would want to know that. Um, and will they you know will they have urgency on that issue? I I don't know, um, but. You know, I think that if we're if we're really interested in making sure that we've got fair hiring practices, and that's a commitment that many companies um, have made just to do the right thing, um, this helps them fulfill that obligation as well. And I think that you know, especially um, nowadays, companies are pushing for you know more you know equal opportunity or you know inclusion. DEI is becoming a conversation that is ha being had across the board with. I mean, everywhere. I, I don't know that there is a company that you can walk into that, that doesn't, you know, understand for the first time what DEI, you know, is, whether or not they, they full, you know, understand the full breadth of what that means. You know, there's still companies that are a little bit behind in that. Um, but that is a conversation that, that companies are having for the first time on a regular basis of how can we, you know, infuse a little bit more, you know, inclusion and, you know, spread our wings on that. And um, so I, I truly believe that the majority of the companies out there are attempting to be, you know, more inclusive mm -hmm. um, and do the right thing and um, try to change their culture to, you know, for the positive, um, which is, which is awesome. You know, I, for the first time in my career, I'm, I'm seeing that shift um, and that's um, happening at a, at a much faster speed than than it would have if the pandemic never happened, right? I yeah. think that we've all seen that.
so with the implication now of of hiring individuals, I, I, I think they're doing that push. It just it scares me with, you know, the constant changing in regulations. And so this is a, another piece that, you know, you and I kind of have talked about that, you know, regulations are, are constantly being rolled out. And you had mentioned that there's like what another you know, five or six you know regulations out there. So, you know, with all of these regulations that are being rolled out, why do you think the government is acting on this now? So I think that. First of all, if we if we step back, step way, way, way back, um, EEOC at the federal level has, since the 70s, um, done rulemaking in terms of, um, of, of this kind of like fairness in hiring. Um, and so last year, actually, the EEOC put out a memo. It wasn't a regulation, but basically what it said was, hey, all the stuff that you should be doing for your hiring process, you still have to do, even if it's with this technology, right? So you're, so companies, the EEOC was clear that companies are responsible for fair hiring practices, and they can't simply say, well, this algorithm that we got from some vendor made us do it. Like, they're going to be responsible for those, for those results. Um, I think that EEOC has seen that more and more companies are using these kinds of automated tools. Um, that number is you know, likely to likely to go up because technology keeps advancing. Um, but I also think that just the the consciousness of this issue is substantially higher this year than two years ago, right? So two years ago, most sort of like average people were not talking about artificial intelligence, and you know, this year they are, right? So um, it's just a it's a much bigger portion of kind of the the thought share of of our of our society. Um, so I think that the government see. You know, hey, that's interesting. We we should look at that. Um, and then also, I think that you'll you know it just to be blunt about it, state governments are 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 very different in terms of their political leanings. And you know, we're going to see that a lot of um, sort of the, the 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 blue states, to use kind of the the political terminology, are really going to get out ahead of this. Um, and especially New York, and especially California. I mean, California is, is historically out in front of basically everything um, for HR and hiring regulations. So that's what that's what we can we can expect. So there'll be some leaders, um, there'll be some, you know, some catch up uh, from other states as well. Um, and then there'll be the federal action, um, which is already in process. Interesting. And so what do you think that some of this is going to look like? And how do you think it's going to affect, you know, and, and we all know that, you know, once it hits some of these big states that it just it, it slowly rolls out everywhere. Yeah. You know, we, except for legalizing marijuana, which <laughs> Sorry. <It's> lower. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Anyways, I digress. Um, what do you think that some of these, you know, regulations are going to look like? And I mean, what what kind of impact? And I guess you know, I I, I always you know default to, you know, the financial impact that it's going to have on you know, especially the larger companies. Or I shouldn't say the larger companies. Usually, they're able to absorb those um, on a fairly easy level. It's usually the mid-sized companies that, yeah. you know, have to have to figure out how do I come up with the funding for this because they're they're not they're not small enough to eliminate, you know, these systems. They're not large enough to just be able to absorb the cost of what they have to do, you know. So. What do you think the impact of some of these new regulations? And and again, for my audience, you know, this mm -hmm. is not anything. 
this is not anything new. We always right. have new regulations. You know, I, I go back to, you know, when um, the Affordable Care Act was implemented and we all were like, oh, my gosh, it's going to cost so much in order to, yep. you know, be in compliance with this. And, and really, when it was all said and done, you know, we were able to roll with that. A lot of companies didn't see the financial impact on, on being becoming compliant the way that we had originally thought that it was going to be you know, this huge cost to, to organizations, um, you know, where most organizations were able to, you know, to roll with that fairly easily, but I shouldn't say easily, but, um, it, it wasn't as, as big of a deal as, as a lot of people were thinking it was going to be right. So what you're going to see in this market is it's going to advance. And I think a, a fairly similar way. Um, and I think this is, this is common both for regulation and for technology, um, development in, in general. Um, so right now, it's going to be annoying and onerous and I don't know, it's, it's not going to be that expensive, but it'll, you know, there's certainly going to be a cost associated with it, um, particularly as state different states are figuring out what to do, right? So um, this is going to be the year that it's, you know, that it's going to be the most challenging. Um, as we go, I think that certainly at our company, we're using technology um, and um and software to try to make it cheaper, to try to make it faster, try to get to compliance earlier. Um, and I think that you'll see that as as the years progress, right? So it will be less, you know, we have to kind of put together these bespoke solutions for these states and it'll be more like, here's, you know, here's the menu of states, it's, tell us where you operate and we'll, and we'll send you the solution. Um, ACA compliance was a great one. Um, 401k compliance is one that we studied really closely. That was similar. People thought it would be hard and now it's, you know, it's five thousand dollars for a mid-sized business every year to 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 do it, just a box to check. Um, so I I think it'll I think we'll, it'll start it'll start developing like that. The other the other uh, example, which is where this market is probably going to go, is GDPR compliance. Um, where again, it, it's it was amazing, right? And everyone remembers this. Just like lay people remember, like one day there was no little accept cookies button. And then the next day, like every single website had a accept cookies button. Um, it's going to kind of be like that, right? So well, it's figuring out what's the software solution to make this uh, more straightforward. Um, now that being the case, I do think that there will be lots of laws that are requiring third party auditing. So there is definitely kind of like a tech enabled services angle where this can't be done just with software. We have to have real people. Um, we have to have people that kind of like sign up for the right code of ethics and are using their you know professional judgment in this as well. Very interesting. Very, very. Uh, so a lot to come. Um, do you do you have a place where people can you know, follow you and, you know, hear um, updates on what's happening and you're shaking your head. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yeah. So our company is Perceptual and I'm sure we'll have links there, there but Perceptual is P-R-O-C-E-P-T-U-A-L. Um, we're at perceptual.com. You come to our website, sign up for our newsletter. Um, we're on LinkedIn. You can go to LinkedIn and follow us on LinkedIn. We post everything there as well. Um, I would, I, and I would love it if, if listeners, you know, like it, even if you're not going to do this this year, even if these laws don't apply to you because you're not located in these jurisdictions, everyone has to kind of keep this on their radar. So um, I, I mean, my hope is that everyone comes and signs up and, and stays uh, kind of in the know about these regulations. Um, we're also happy to talk to anyone about how these regulations apply to them. So if you go to our website, um, fill out the contact form, we'll happy to talk to any, um, any, any uh, people leader, any HR leader for free, talk through what do the regulations entail, 
Um, does your company have responsibilities? Are these responsibilities coming up possibly in April, which is you know three months away from from where we are now? Two month, two month, two and a half actually. Um, so yeah, we're we're around and we're happy to talk to anyone about what their responsibilities will be. Right. So and and do you um, obviously you're talking to individuals, but do you you know are you keeping people abreast on on what those regulations you know on any on any news. Uh, you know, YouTube channel or anything else, because you're truly a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this. Yeah, it's funny. I was um, I was going to try to shoot something next week on YouTube. And now you've convinced me I definitely have to do it. I'm going to mark it on my calendar. Um, but yeah, what we do in our newsletter is um, basically I see our job uh, is that there's this big kind of community of people. It's not big. There's a small community of people out there that that are really, really interested in this stuff. So mm-hmm. at, there's a world of academics think tanks, nonprofits, and government people um, who put out these like long reports on artificial intelligence. You know, and I mentioned we had on Tuesday, we had a, you know, seven hours of EEOC testimony. Um, Yesterday, we had a full day, which ended at 9 p.m. uh, of testimony from Colorado. So one of our jobs is like, we sit through that and and then try to distill that down into what do people leaders really need to know, right? So take a seven hour testimony and say like, here's the five bullet points of things that you need to be concerned about. That's what we try to do in our, in our free publications. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome because it's, it's a hard, I mean, as an HR, obviously, you know, as an HR professional, it's hard to keep up on these regulations. It's hard to keep up on any regulations or right. keep up on your job because what HR departments now are pared down to, you know, one or two people and staying on top of, you know, insurance and staying on top of everything and trying to keep up on the newest and, you know, the newest stuff that's popping up is is literally impossible. So that's absolutely awesome. So if you want to find John, um, he's he's, you know, said where you can find him, but I will also have that in the show notes. So and this has um, been an awesome conversation. But before we wrap up, I have a question of the season that I ask everybody. Um, so I want to ask you that you had a preview of that. Um, what would you change about your job or the practice that people have in your in your role, if you could? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, and so I'm, you know, as I mentioned, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm founder, CEO. So <laughs> it was a hard question for me because anything that I say is something that I, I can and should then go fix. Right. Um, so it's basically whatever I say is, is, is my fault. Um, but I try to think hard about it. And um, I thought that, you know, one thing that I want to see changing in our in our company is um i just want us to be able to spread the word on this more um so i think that we try to do the best we can with marketing with free content but you know exactly like you said um we're both spreading the word on this because our customers mostly our customers who when we first talk to them have never heard of this they don't know anything about it mm-hmm. um so we're both doing kind of our our ongoing compliance obligations with our paid clients um but also we need to be keeping out getting out the word and spending time on our content and it's you know, that that's a that's always a hard balance at a small company right no no well hey um john this has been an awesome conversation and it's definitely something that um you know again uh, is uh, I'm passionate about. I'm in the HR, you know, circle. I'm I'm in it every day, um, talking to amazing people. And one of the conversations that will be coming up um, is is actually talking with somebody who's on the other side of of I mean HR professional who's on the other side dealing with applicant tracking systems because she is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
applying to positions right now. And, um, you know, it's amazing how much has changed in the last couple of years with regulations and, you know, utilizing these systems. So this is definitely something that I want to, um, I'm going to follow you and make sure that I keep up on these because it's, it is wildly interesting and it, and I, I think it's going to have an impact on a lot of companies. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me and, um, yeah. Leon, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You have a great day. You too. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.